Welcome to another brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we prepare for the big AFC title game against the Cincinnati Bengals by checking in with the Chiefs during their weekly press conferences. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the crazy divisional round victory over the Bills? Really, uh, the the trio of offensive playmakers for the Chiefs, and I mean, just by saying that, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who I'm talking about. Uh, they were just nothing short of, of incredible, legendary, in fact. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he really, it, it felt like he saw a culmination of, of his season-long progression and learning experience that all just really came to a head in this game. Because you, you remember back early on the season, uh, he was struggling with, you know, interceptions and uh, he, he didn't have uh, a good time trying to push the ball down the field against these two high coverage shells. And uh, he wanted to throw the ball downfield, but he couldn't do that because that's what those coverages are designed to take away. So he was absolutely just surgical against the Bills with their, their two high looks. I mean, he just took what was given, and, and he didn't complete a single quote-unquote deep pass as a result. Um, he still nearly had 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, and he led the team in, in rushing yards and had a rushing touchdown as well. It just, uh, it it really felt like, you know, all those lessons that he learned early on in the season, uh, the frustration that he was having, trying to throw the ball deep, uh, and, and kind of how the offense has changed. It, it feels like like this was kind of the, the, the piece de resistance, so to speak. I mean, this was his his uh, his masterpiece um, of showing, hey, if you're going to play me this way, I'm, I'm going to just take, take what you're giving me. I'm going to throw these underneath routes. I'm going to dump it off to the running back. Uh, I'm going to throw these, these quick outs. I'm going to get the ball to my playmakers and let them make a play. And uh, it, it just, it was a thing of beauty. Then uh, Tyreek Hill. I, I mean, still the fastest man in football, right? I, I mean, how incredible was it uh, that he hit the deuces on a Bills player when that player was still in front of him? Like, he, he was he was throwing up the peace sign, like, bye, and the guy was still, you know, a yard or two in front of him. It's like he knew he was going to just blow right by him. Uh, I, I mean, he's so confident in his speed. He was like, nah, you're not going to catch me. Even though you're in front of me, you're not going to catch me. Uh, it was just such a fun moment, and uh, he's 100% getting fined for it, but I don't think he cares. I don't think anybody cares. I mean, look, the last fine he got, he uh, started raising money for, for the homeless in, in Kansas City in terms of the fine amount with his foundation, so I'm sure he'll probably do something similar uh, this week, and I'm sure they'll, they'll reach that goal as well. But, uh, look, it's just... Um, it's it's incredible how consistent he's been, how he's evolved as a player. I mean, his speed is not just the only thing he can beat you with, even though it's still so, so impressive. Um, but then moving on, Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey, guys. How, how many other tight ends are orchestrating the entire 13-second game-tying drive? I mean, he told Tyreek Hill how to get open on his 19-yard reception. And then he told Patrick Mahomes that if the Bills came out in a certain look, that he was going to run a different route than he was supposed to on the play they called. And, and Mahomes saw the look pre-snap, and he audibled so that Kelsey knew to run the route, and boom. You know, 25-yard reception to set up the game-tying field goal. 
and, and that's not all. This guy goes on to score the game-winning touchdown in overtime after doing all of that. Like, he already did enough to send his team to overtime to give them a chance to win the game, and then he goes out there and just just absolutely wins it for him. Uh, I, I'm going to say it, Ed. Travis Kelsey is the best all-time, regardless of position. Uh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Heck, put him in the Hall of Fame tomorrow. He's certainly the best tight end in NFL in the NFL today, maybe in NFL history, uh, when it's all said and done. And I don't want to hear your Gronk arguments. I don't want to hear uh, your Kittle arguments. I neither of those players has even sniffed a sequence sequence like what Kelsey just pulled off in, in the divisional round. I, I mean, uh, just incredible. Uh, you, you you expect something like that from a quarterback, maybe a receiver, uh, from a tight end? Never, N- never. Uh, just unbelievable. Most importantly, though, I mean, we are witness to the the golden age of Chiefs football right now. I know many people have said it, but just enjoy this Chiefs kingdom. Enjoy it. Like this is for all of the bullshit that this franchise put you through for decades. So just sit back and enjoy this because you've you've earned this moment. You have absolutely earned this moment uh, to to enjoy watching this this trio of offensive playmakers and, and the rest of the team uh, have these just special special games like they did against the Bills. Should fans be concerned by the Chiefs' defensive struggles to end the game? No, uh, I I don't think they should. I I think those struggles, they really emphasized uh, one thing, which is Tyron Matthews' importance to keeping this defensive secondary on track. Uh, I I think, you know, that that gave uh, Brett Veach and the front office a rude awakening about, like, how important he is to this defensive secondary. And, uh, you know, in the second half of the game, you really started to notice the the significance of his absence, Uh, especially when the Chiefs were running, like, zone coverages. The, the man coverage stuff, I mean, is pretty straightforward. But when, when they're doing the zone coverages and have to pass off players and stuff like that, the communication that is typically there, it was just non-existent. It was a, it was a struggle bus. Guys weren't, weren't seeing uh, the, the different route combinations that, they were, that, that the Bills were hitting. Uh, they weren't traveling with guys as well. And uh, it's just, you know, when, when Matthew's on the field, stuff like that just doesn't happen. He, he demands a sort of excellence that, uh, you know, he's going to get after guys if, if stuff like that starts happening. And he's going to recognize it and, and try to, you know, make up for it. He does cover a lot of mistakes in the secondary, uh, which, you know, you, you notice on the tape over the years. I remember there's a game while back where it was like you know he ended up covering like three different routes on the play covered his guy then when he saw a quarterback looking another way he goes and covers the other guy uh, and and you know he he just uh he has that type of awareness and i don't think other players just you know they can't they can't replace that uh, i will say contrary to popular belief daniel Sorensen did a much better job than he did back in week five against the bills uh matthew should be back on sunday we hope uh, he still needs to clear the concussion protocols. Um, Rashad Fenton should also be able to return after missing the past two games uh, with a back injury. So that's going to help because, I mean, we all know <laughs> the Bengals, they've got some serious horses at the receiver position. Obviously, Jamar Chase, but but uh, Boyd and T. Higgins, those guys are pretty pretty dang good as well. So 
I, I mean, they, they need the secondary to be sharp this week. And, uh, you know, Tyron Matthews is going to be involved in the game plan, whether he plays or not. He's going to be coaching guys up this week uh, in the meeting rooms. And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll see what comes of that. But it, it sure would be nice to have him back out there. I, I mean, I think to, to answer your question, should Chiefs fans be concerned by the defensive struggles? If Matthew doesn't play, you should absolutely be concerned. If he's back out there. I think you can rest easy knowing that that they'll uh, have some more accountability. They won't let some of those big plays happen. But then again, you know Jamar Chase, <laughs> that guy's that guy's a tough uh, tough one to cover. But we'll get to that in a little bit. How memorable will 13 seconds be in divisional playoff history? Uh, yeah, I think it really depends on the outcome of the next two games, right? I mean, if the Chiefs advance to, uh, you know win the AFC title game and win Super Bowl uh, 56, those 13 seconds will be looked at as like the start of some epic run to playoff success. And it'll be looked at that way by the entire NFL. And now if they fizzle out in the AFC title game, uh, I think it's probably something, you know, only fondly recalled by Chiefs Kingdom uh, that'll be brought up, you know, in the future when they're in situations where it's like, okay, how much time is left on the clock? All you need is 13 seconds. But, um, you know, maybe it's something that's highlighted in many years in the future when they look back at this team after guys have long retired and whatnot too. But, uh, you know, that, all that said, I mean, people are already calling this game one of the best postseason games in NFL history. I mean, it just had everything in it, the theatrics, the big plays, the quarterback matchup, then, you know, the the, the dr- drama at the end of the game and the upset, uh, uh, you know, after the Bills took the lead and then the Chiefs get it in overtime, they win. But, um, you know, pe- people are still talking about it and they're charged up about it, you know, four or five days after the fact. So, I mean, I think that tells you how special of a game it was and, uh, how people will recall it and recall that that specific moment. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think it'll be a lot more memorable if the Chiefs go out and, and get a tough win in the AFC title game and then either, you know, win Super Bowl, uh, win, win this next Super Bowl. It's either going to be a Super Bowl LIV rematch with the 49ers or they're going to have an epic shootout with the Los Angeles Rams akin to uh, that Monday night football game way back in, what was it, 2018? So, I, I mean... Look, I, and no matter what happens, it's just it's a great moment, something that will be recalled fondly by by Chiefs fans. But uh, it could turn into that much more if they go on to have more postseason success. What are your thoughts on Ryan Poles being hired by the Bears? You know, I've only heard great things about Poles, and it's obviously it's not going to be ideal for him to leave. Um you know, the Chiefs do have a pretty deep front office staff, so I, I don't think it'll hurt them as much as, uh, you know, it would hurt another team if someone in that same position left. But, I mean, he played a part in some big jobs in the front office over the past few seasons. Uh, this season in particular, I know he played a big part in, uh, in you know, drafting uh, some of these offensive linemen and uh, getting some of these guys in free agency and, and building up that offensive line position. Um I, I know he, he survived three different front office regimes in Kansas City, so that tells you a lot about him and his perseverance. But, yeah, I mean, this is a bit overdue, right? Um, usually teams who have as much success as the Chiefs have had, 
they are pillaged from from you know their their front office, their coaching talent. Uh, it, it you know teams go after it in the off season, and Kansas City they went to back to back Super Bowls, and the worst loss they had was like their their running back coach went to uh, go coach at the University of Indiana. I, I mean, it's quite uncommon that other NFL teams don't at least try to get some guys away. Um, you know, I think this year will be a little different. Obviously, there's a lot of vacancies for, for general managers. Three have been filled so far as of my recording this. There's also going to be, uh, I think, eight, nine head coaching vacancies. So it, it, there's going to be opportunities out there. Um, I think the big thing here, though, uh, that is beneficial for the Chiefs, with, with Patrick Mahomes on his monster deal and uh, the team needing to re-sign some key pieces on both sides of the ball, they now have more draft capital. Um, and the NFL's policy on, on hiring uh, minority coaching and GM candidates, I mean, it rewards Kansas City uh, with the third-round comp pick in 2022 and 2023. They could get one more if, if Eric Bieniemy. Uh, were to find a job, but that would be in 2024. But I, I think that draft capital, that's going to be pivotal for this team. You know, they're going to have an extra pick, and it's its either, you know, to use this upcoming year in trade or to outright, you know, use it and draft someone to help them find a foundational piece for this roster moving forward. Uh, you know, hitting in the draft, and, and Brett Veach just did a fantastic job this past year, Obviously, the the three rookies, uh, Nick Bolton, um, and and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, like those guys are, are fantastic. They need to keep keep hitting like that uh, in the draft. They can't afford to have another twenty eighteen where they're just not finding uh, contributors. They they need to find guys who can come in there and and contribute fairly early. And you know, even if they find guys who are more like a, a Noah Gray or a um, you know, uh, some of these other guys that they, they got in this past draft, just guys who can get in there and, and contribute in some sort of way are just key, super key to finding those guys. And uh, I, I think that this gives the Chiefs at least one more opportunity, whether it's in a, a trade-up situation to go get a guy that they really like or uh, just using, you know, all their picks where they fall and, and finding guys at those particular spots. I think this gives them just a lot of uh, a lot more ammo than they had heading into this upcoming draft. Which team should have the most momentum heading into the AFC Championship game? Uh, it's it has to be the Chiefs. I mean, as good as the Bengals have been during their postseason run, I mean, you just witnessed an all-time postseason game between the Chiefs and the Bills. And the Bengals, they just survived their divisional round game against the number one seeded Titans. Like, like, you know, they, they got a little lucky there. Uh, I, not to discount anything they did, but, um, you know, uh, they, they won by, by three points on a, a last-minute kick there. Uh, it could have easily gone a, a different way. But uh, Kansas City, I mean, they clutched victory from the jaws of defeat, right? They were, they were down and out. I mean... Uh, Bills fans were were in bars and at their homes and in the crowd at Arrowhead celebrating like they had won with 13 seconds left, and Kansas City did something unheard of. And, and then I mean, you know, to host your your fourth consecutive AFC title game with all the success that the Chiefs have had, and 
Yeah, I think Joe Burrow, actually, he kind of said it best on Wednesday. He said something along the lines of, if we want to reach our goals, this is the team we have to beat to do it. So I would say the onus is really on on the Bengals to come in and, and win this game in a hostile environment after, you know, this team, this Chiefs team, they're coming off a crazy win in what people are hailing as one of the best postseason games of all time. So I'm not sure any amount of momentum that the Bengals can carry into this game can really match that type of energy uh they'll certainly try to use it as motivation to feel like they're the underdogs coming into this though they even said after their win over the titans hey we're a really good football team we're not underdogs anymore but uh coming into this game people are viewing them as that and uh you know it's a a road like i said road game hostile environment uh, against a team that is coming off of just an insane win. So uh, that's that's going to be tough for them. Uh, that's going to be a toughie. But, I, yeah, I think I have to go with the Chiefs as the the team with the, the most momentum heading into this one. Who do you believe is the X factor heading into the AFC Championship Sunday versus Cincinnati? Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, it's got to be Charvarius Ward. Uh, he's been locked down all season long, save for Week 17, when he got beat several times by uh, Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase. Now, to uh, Ward's credit, there were a few instances where Chase pushed off, and uh, those weren't called, and you know fans were kind of upset about that. But there were also some instances where Ward was in position, and Chase just made a hell of a play, uh, and Ward did not. Um, now, there's going to be some regression to the mean on those situations this week, meaning uh, that Ward is going to be in position to make a play on the ball, and he's going to make a, a position to play. Uh, uh, excuse me. He's going to make a play on the ball this time around. Because, uh, you know, when it was that close last time around, um, you know, that, that eventually flips the other way. So I, I feel like this week, you know, he's going to be in the film room. He's going to be looking at some of that stuff. I mean, is Chase going to going to get him sometimes? Absolutely. Um, and, and do I think they're going to shade, you know, some safety help over the top to his side of the field? Probably. When they're in those cover two looks, probably is going to be what happens. Um, so I, I do think it's going to come down to a lot of these other guys winning their one-on-one matchups, though. And, you know, the Ward is going to get Chase one-on-one a couple times during this game, so he's going to have to win those uh, opportunities. On offense, uh, I'm looking at, I'm going to say Travis Kelsey this time. Uh, He's coming off just an incredible performance against the Bills, and you go back and you look at at Week 17 against the Bengals, and uh, the Chiefs were, were held to just three points in the second half of that game. And uh, Mahomes targeted Kelsey twice in that half, and they were both incomplete passes. So I'm I'm looking to see, you know, Kelsey, has he dived into the film? Um, you know, has he found ways to, to be more effective against Cincinnati this time around? I, I mean, I think he had maybe like 25, 35 yards and a touchdown or something, a couple complete passes. I, I feel like they did a pretty good job of limiting him. And I think, you know, if, if Kansas City is going to want to find success and win this game, they're going to need him to, to have a better performance this time around. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, of course. We've got plenty uh, recapping the Chiefs' thrilling overtime win over the Bills in the divisional round. Um, I personally love the story on Andy Reid's instant classic of a quote 
when it's looking grim, be the Grim Reaper, what he told Patrick Mahomes there with 13 seconds left remaining. Uh, also plenty on Travis Kelsey's brilliance uh, in those 13 seconds uh, in the fourth quarter, by the way. Uh, if you're already looking ahead to the off season, we've got plenty of draft and free agency content up on the website as well. Uh, lots of preview content coming out. Uh, there's plenty out already and uh, and more coming out leading up to the game against the Bengals this weekend as well. As always, uh, we thank you guys so much for, for tuning into our show here and, and reading the website. We couldn't do this without your support, and uh, we we appreciate it every week. I mean, you guys have been incredible this season, Chiefs Kingdom. You just uh, – the, the support you show us is just uh, fantastic. So thank you so much for that. And as always, this, this time of the show, I love it. Get to say it. Go Chiefs. Andy, you mentioned after the, the game on, you mentioned Monday that pretty quickly after the game, you had already moved on and started looking at Cincinnati. At what point do you feel, I mean, when the players came in, did you feel like they were already there? Is that part of the conversation you have this week after an emotional win? Yeah, well, they, you know, they <clears throat> all were saying it after the game. They were, they were excited about that game. Uh, but they said, you know, we've still got another game here that we, we got to get ready for. So enjoy the moment, but. Uh, it's time, you know, we got to move on. So it wasn't <clears throat> just me saying it. it was Pat and the, the badge, everybody, you know, they were all, all speaking that when they came in here. So they, they, they knew that, you know, this thing moves fast and, uh, you're on to the next one pretty quick. So the last two go by and then Matt. Goodbye. Hey, Andy. Um, I know, uh, chemistry is an intangible thing, of course, but I wonder if, if you have any way to describe the sort of connectivity that you see among Patrick, Travis, and Tyreek in particular, because it, it seems pretty distinct from things most of us have ever seen before. Yeah, it's special. I mean, they, they all, all three of them trust each other and that, that's important. <clears throat> I mean, they kind of have that innate ability to know where the guy's going to be against whatever leverage the defender has on him. Um, so they, I, I appreciate that. And it's a fluid game. So you're going to have to make adjustments. You're going to have to do it with routes, uh, where you have to, it's not going to be perfect. Like you might see with a card that you've drawn up and, uh, I mean, the other team's playing too. And so <clears throat> you have to maneuver around and it sure helps to have that chemistry, uh, when teams are showing you a bunch of different looks. Hey, Patrick, uh, looking at the Bills game and just how intense it was and how stressful, there's been some information that was put out about your heart rate during that game. What about, you know, these situations? How do you stay so calm and, and collected during stressful games like that? I think it's a little bit of a couple things. Um, first off, I've been in some of these situations before now. Um, I've, I've played in some big games and had to, had to make some comebacks and, I know I have the teammates to do it. So, I mean, I, I know that it, what it, what it takes to go out there and find a way to win. Um, and then I think, um, just preparation. I mean, we prepare for those moments, um, throughout the, the whole entire season with, uh, coach Eric Bienemy and he puts us in situations where we have to execute at a high level and, uh, not favorable situations. And so, uh, I think preparation and then experience definitely helps me in those moments. Let's go next to Herbie Tiope. Go to Herbie. Hey, Patrick. How you doing? I'm good. Good. How are you? Hey, I'm well. Thanks. 
McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson this past year and even into the playoffs, what, what kind of luxury is it for you to have those kinds of weapons and, and you can rely on them outside of just throwing it to Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, not only having them and all their different uh, skill sets that they have um, where they can make big plays happen and everything like that, but just the relationships I've built with those guys over the years. Uh, I mean, guys like uh, Byron Pringle, I mean, I've, I've thrown to him for three or four years now. Demarcus Robinson, same thing. Um, and then uh, McCall, I've been with him since he's entered the NFL. So just knowing where they're going to be at, knowing how they play, um, and developing those relationships and that chemistry with them, I think helps out a ton when you're out there on the football field. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Hey, Brad, you – Yeah. Sorry, Brad. You didn't have you unmuted. I apologize. Uh Patrick, uh, the comment was made by Joe Burrow about Arrowhead not being as loud as SEC stadiums. Uh, you've been around some loud stadiums in college, been around most of the NFL ones. How does Arrowhead's noise compare, and is is he in for a rude awakening? Yeah, I mean, I've been in some uh, pretty loud stadiums. Uh, I've played in a couple SEC stadiums. Um, I mean, I'm, Arrowhead's pretty loud. Uh, I don't think you can get around that, and uh, I'm sure it'll be pretty loud this weekend. Uh, they're a great football team. They're, they're coming in. Uh, trying to trying to win a, a big football game, uh, but I'm glad we're at Arrowhead and we have a chance to use our crowd to our advantage on on trying to find a way to get a win. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey Patrick, uh, you and Kelsey talked after the game about improvising on that play right before the uh, Butkers tying field goal there late in the fourth quarter. I'm just curious, um, you, how often do you do that, and and do you do it with any? If you improvised with anyone else besides Kelsey and Brad, I'll have a quick follow up as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that during the game. It's not necessarily on the field every single time. There's a lot of times we get back on that tablet, we talk about different routes that we have. Uh, the great thing about this offense is a lot of the stuff looks the same. It comes from different formations that, that we can kind of read off what the defense is doing. And uh, everybody, everybody has their input. And I think that's what makes us such a such a great uh, a great team and a great offense is that we have a uh, we have uh, communication throughout the entire game. Um, and then we go out there and execute at a high level because uh, Coach Reed gives us that freedom. Okay, and I, I meant to ask you this after the game, but a lot going on after that game. I wanted to ask you about that, your first touchdown pass in the game against Buffalo uh, to Pringle. How, do, how did you see him? Can you kind of take us through that play? It looked like you kind of had your back turned. I don't, I don't know how you really saw him. Can you take us through that play? Yeah, it was actually uh, off the play we ran in Carolina a couple of years back where we, uh, where I kind of I motioned and caught the ball and then kind of spun back around and made the throw to D-Rob. Um, uh, and so we definitely, the, the read was kind of Tyreek to, to Pringle and, they kind of gave us a zero look, so I knew I wasn't going to have a lot of time. So I was just trying to race back and give my guy a chance to make a play. And uh, Pringle went up there and made a tough catch between two, two defenders. Thanks to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Patrick, I mean, as you know, you guys went from three and four to, to hosting the AFC title game. I know you were seeing certain defensive looks that were some uh, struggles for you early on. Andy pointed toward it, this being a team thing that you had had to figure out. What did you see from some of your teammates as you guys were going through these struggles that kind of led you uh, through here? Yeah, I think I just I saw the persistence and uh, the the championship swagger, I guess you would say, of the team that we have. Uh, guys didn't didn't hang their head; they they just wanted to get better uh, every single day. They came out to practice, and we learned how to execute versus these looks that we were getting. Um, and uh, I think that uh, that process of every day of getting better and better has put us in this situation now. And uh, we don't want to come up short. We want to keep this this process going, take every day um, and, and get better, and uh, try to leave our best football out there on the football field. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Brad, I'll have a couple things. Um, 
Patrick, uh, at what point did you turn your attention to uh, to Cincinnati, and in what manner did you turn your attention to this game? I mean, I did when I came in on Monday uh, Monday morning. Um, you kind of you you celebrate in, uh, with your family and everything for that that big win that we had. It was an awesome game that we'll remember forever. Um, but uh, I mean, this we're not done. I mean, we're trying to we're trying to go out there and, and win the AFC championship and then try to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and uh, we understand that this is a great football team we're going up against. They've already beat us once this year. Um, if we don't give everything we have in preparation during the week, uh, then we're not going to win at the end of the, at the end of the week. So uh, I kind of turned the page quickly, and uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, just try to get, keep getting better every single day. And then you mentioned Eric Bieniemy's meetings, those meetings you guys have on Friday that discusses late game situations. Can you sort of reveal what takes place in those meetings? I guess without giving away exactly your game plan. Yeah, you go you go through every type of situation. I mean, you go through uh, the situation we were in, trying to need a field goal and get it, and where we have timeouts and we can use the middle of the field. We also go through situations where we don't have timeouts, we need to get out of bounds or or find a chunk play and get up and spike the ball. I um, mean, so you have to be able to go through every single situation that you can be put in put in, and uh, they do a great job of doing that. We have plays called for every situation, um, and everybody understands it. And that's why I think you saw the communication between the whole entire offense knowing exactly what we needed and uh, to get in Bucker's field goal range and, and tie the game up. Hey, Clyde. Um, I know you didn't play in the first matchup with the Bengals. I'm just wondering what you noticed from that game that maybe you can use to your success. Obviously, I know you're close with Daryl. And, and just how much of your experience last year of sort of battling through an injury uh, can help you in a, in, a, in a game of this magnitude? Well, you know, just it's, man, every every game is different. And, and watching the film is, uh, is, is literally my job. So even – uh. Even the times, you know, that I didn't, I didn't travel for the Bengals game, but I watched everything on TV and, and just seeing a TV copy and then being able to go watch the film, uh, as far as how we watch it, uh, you, you, you can see different things and, and see how you want to attack certain things. But as far as, uh, having the same game plan going into the, going into the, uh, the, the next game, uh, obviously it won't be the same. So, um, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I can tell you what I, what I saw from the game, but I mean, we could go on all day about that, but you know, different game plan and, some of the things that I saw, I'm going to try to attack it and, and go from there. Let's go next to Herbie Teope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Clyde. How are you? Doing good. You obviously suffered that injury in Week 16. How frustrating was that period of, of missing the final two regular season games, the, the win against the Steelers, and where are you now with your health? Well, uh, man, I would say, I would say, and for, for for you, I would say it might have been. Well, some people, I would say. It was it was frustrating, but I would say it's just one of those things that that comes with the game. It was uh, obviously a, a, a I wouldn't say a, a freak accident, but one that I really wasn't expecting to happen uh, at the time, and and how it did happen it was just one of those one of those injuries that uh, really didn't know what was what was going on at the time. But once we was able to kind of diagnose what was going on, um, you know, like you said, it was the last two games of the season, so we handled it how we needed to handle it and handle it and able to, you know, get me back in for, for you know, this, this second round of playoffs. Thanks to Steve Walls. Good, Steve. Hey, Clyde. What's happening, brother? What up? Not much, man. Hey, you, you look like you had an extra bounce to your step, so to speak, on, on Sunday. How, how fresh do you feel now uh, as you're, you're going into the FC Championship? Um, you know, I wouldn't say uh, – I wouldn't – I would say nobody's 100%, but I would say uh, just having that – just having that fire, really not playing. Um, you know, everybody would say fresh. And I remember when I came back from the knee injury, that was, that was the first thing everybody was saying. But, uh, I mean, I, I come in, 
day in day out and still still do the cardio still still doing all the work that I needed to uh needed to do uh those weeks in order to be on the field and look um I would say fresh that that, that everybody would say but um uh, just sitting down on my back and and, and chilling didn't um uh, didn't ex- expose that being able to do those things in between the lines when I when I needed to uh the things that's, that's not seen on TV kind of made me made me look the way I look so it was a lot of hard work that that, that went into uh I, I would say looking looking as as good as I did. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Clyde. I know that Coach Reed uses a lot of backs here, but clearly it was, it was your job to start the year. As you're sidelined again, you know, another tough break, and you're watching Jarek doing what he's doing, how do you kind of marry, okay, of course I'm going to support my, my teammate, you're a good teammate, but also this this is kind of ultra-motivating mo- for me when I do get back on the field. Nah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a running back room and a running back group. It's uh that's, that's what we do. And, and we knew from the beginning, from training camp, it was just one of those things. Coach, coach Reed and I, EB and I, we, we've, we've, as an offense had multiple conversations and even having, uh, having conversations, uh, with running backs, with the running backs in the room from Jet to DG to, to Daryl. This is one of those things we, we, we knew, um, from the times that I wasn't playing or Jet wasn't playing. Jet was on IR, then it was DG and, 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 and Dirty's time. So it's not one of those things you, you, you look and get envious. Uh, man, right now, our end of goal is to win a championship, bro. And that's it. As always, if you have any thoughts on the show, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Catch us next week.